Uh, rule number two, treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. I mean, it's, it seems pretty clear to me what this means. Yeah, well, that's an investigation into why people don't treat themselves well. And the thing is, is that, you know, human beings are self-conscious and we know about our limitations and we know about our weaknesses. And so we can have contempt for human beings in general because, you know, we're just flawed and breakable and all of that. And, but we know ourselves better than we know everyone else. And so, unless you're narcissistic, and some people are, then you have a very acute sense of how you're not up to scratch in, in, on many of the dimensions along which you could be evaluated, even by yourself. And so that leads naturally to a sort of contempt, self-contemptuous attitude. And you can see that one of the stories I talk about is that people are more likely to give prescription medication to their pets than to take them themselves. <laughs> right, right, you know. So, what Even are, in the United States, because we're pretty over-medicated here. Even in the United States, wow. people, well, people will get the prescriptions, but they won't take the pills. Anyways, the, the idea there is, it's, it's sort of a, uh, a variation that I learned from Carl Jung on treat other people as, it, as you would like to be treated. It's, you reverse that. Mm -hmm. It's like, imagine someone that you treat well, that you love, then try to treat yourself that way. You've got to detach from yourself a bit. You've got to think, okay, well, I'm a person among other people, and I deserve at least as much respect as a person among other people, and I should be trying to help myself across time instead of being self-contemptuous and self-destructive. I need to take care of myself as if I'm potentially valuable and to lay out my life that way. And so that's what that's, that chapter is about. And it's, it, it's hard for people, you know. They don't take care of themselves as well as they should, and I don't mean you know, take care of yourself. I mean, that is what I mean. It's like, it's not a moralistic attack. It's like, it's an encouragement to give yourself a bit of the benefit of the doubt and, and treat how yourself much, as if you have some intrinsic value. Yeah, so how much of that would you say is, is psychological? Just being okay with the mistakes you're gonna make and all of that, as opposed to just fit, like, treat yourself meaning dress okay. And, yeah, well, that's and posture oh, no, and all of that. That's part stuff. of it. Like, yeah. it isn't clear where your your borders actually are. You know, it it means take care of your room, take care of your things. Like, have some respect for for yourself as a as a well, I would say in some sense as a miraculous being because that is actually what you are. But you know that that sort of borders on the new age, which I I don't I'm not very happy about that. But it's still the case. It's like you are. There is a lot of potential within you, and there's many things that you can do, and you're necessary, you're necessary more than you think to the unfolding of things. Like, if you make a bunch of bad decisions, things get worse, not just for you. Like, things get worse. And maybe way worse, like, I don't know what mistakes Stalin's mother made, you know? And she probably didn't necessarily think they were that important. But it turned out they were pretty important. Mm -hmm. You don't know how you're actions echo and so it matters what you do and and so part of what you do is you want to treat yourself as if what you do matters and so you want to have some respect for yourself and some fear of yourself that's also that and so that's what that chapter is about yeah what's up everybody andy here what you just heard was a quick summary of what rule two of the 12 rules of life by Jordan Peterson is or what it consisted of, what, what it consists of. And that's really, I mean, obviously that's the macro and that's, that's off the top of his head of as far as what the, the points he was trying to drive home with potential and treating yourself the way you treat somebody else that you need to take care of. Uh, the example he gives in the in the story is like when people give even to their pets. You have a pet, you have a dog, you have a cat, whatever, and you take them to the vet, and then you get the medicine. You give them the medicine because you want you want them to be better. You have or I've seen I mean I've seen the extent as far even as far as 
surgery. Okay, they need surgery, get it done. They have an ear infection. They have something going on with them, and you get that fixed. Yet, when you get sick, you're like, no, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll wait till tomorrow. You kind of put it off. And his whole point is is taking your taking care of yourself the way you take care of others, which it could be a person or a pet. And and for me, that that's a big one because it's it's very I don't know I don't want to say common, but I just know I just know a lot of people that do that. And I'm like, okay, like I I get it. Like you care about your pets and this and that. And as far as as far as distinguishing that for me, it's that human come humans come first, and that's for sure one thing that I've uh, concluded. J- even if it's just for myself, that's fine. But when people have asked me, it's like, well, well, yeah, your pets, yeah, you know, they're important. No, you, I mean, we want them around. If you don't want them around, then you shouldn't have a pet. Period. Right. But the point is, humans first. So it's it should it should be the self you then the people you live with, the people you care about, the people you love, and then, of course, your pets, which they're there, you know, and they, and they love you regar- regardless, and that maybe that's not the best way to say it, but the my point that I'd, li- that I'd like to drive, because I, I do want to keep going, I want to keep, I want to bring up some uh, some more details that he puts in Rule 2, because um, this book came out January 23rd, and I, I bought it on January 23rd, and even since then, I'm barely on chapter three, just because I'm I'm really taking my time with this one. Uh, some of the stuff, I I don't know if I want to say it's dense, but it definitely has has some parts in it, or maybe some key points that it's they've made me think, and they're making me think. Okay, what what where where am I gonna go in 2018? What am I gonna do? You know for 2019 for 2020 which is insane just to say out loud 2020 you know we're only two years away from that so it it's uh and even when i was reading this chapter i had some time i was a uh, i was substituting for a high school and there's i had i had an awesome class so or awesome in the sense that i had some time off extra time off so i was able to actually take my book and read and, and get some get some good chunks done at a time and reading it there were points in rule two where I was like, man, I, I don't, I don't, it's not that I don't, I don't know what to do, but it, I definitely had to sit and think, okay, what, what do I make of this information? What do I, or maybe what do I want to make of this information? So I'm going to go through some of rule, rule two, uh, some of the points that I highlighted, and I mean, essentially, this will be a, a chapter two review, rule two review, um, with just key points that I've come up with, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to have it make sense. Um, the points that I have marked off, I, I mean, they make sense obviously, but I'm, I want to make sure I tie them in to where it's not too uh, c- cookie cutter, um, as in, okay, this is one, two, three, or four. These, these are, you know, the the. At least the videos that I have gotten that I derive from, it's like okay, the twelve steps to do this. Like okay, well, what about this and what about something else? You know, is it really only twelve steps to get you successful? No, there's a million that you need to fill. That okay, there's a million that you need to filter through. Anyways, so the first part uh, comes in the subchapter: the domain not of matter, but of what matters. And one of the main premise is one of the main themes that Jordan Peterson talks about is how there's order and there's chaos and then here in the book it's he says the third as there are three is the process that mediates between the two which appears identical to what modern people call consciousness it is our eternal subjugation to the first two that makes us doubt the validity of existence that makes us throw up our hands in despair and fail to care for ourselves properly it is proper understanding of the third that allows us to allows us the only real way out and continuing here chaos in the domain of ignorance itself it's unexplored territory chaos is what extends eternally and without limit beyond the boundaries of all states all ideas and all disciplines it's the foreigner the stranger the member of another gang the rustle in the brushes in the nighttime the monster under the bed the hidden anger of your mother and the sickness of your child chaos is the despair and horror you feel 
when you have been profoundly betrayed. It's the place you end up when things fall apart, when your dreams die, your career collapses, or your marriage ends. Now, that in itself is very dark. Because it's, it's, it's a lot of the worst cases, worst case scenarios that you can maybe think of off the top of your head. And even then, you know, there are some cases where, man, you, 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 and even then, okay, going back to like, as far as mentality and even the way uh, David, Dave Rubin says, as far as psychologically, you know, certain things that build up, sometimes there are things that it doesn't even have to do with any of this stuff that I just mentioned. It's, it's beyond that. I mean, and, and even, even then it's hard for me to go beyond, okay, death. Well, okay, we know it's inevitable. Don't become a nihilist either. But for me, it it's if it goes there, then then there's nothing to worry about. Essentially, now the main point that I got out of this is unexplored territory, and it made me think about potential, which is one of the main things that he harped on in that little intro uh or the little excerpt that I that I played first before starting uh, this little review but when he says unexplored territory it's like it's unexplored territory chaos is what extends eternally without limit and it's like okay I know that so what do I, what do I do with it and I'm still trying to figure that out now but I know it's definitely something that's that's stand for me and and has geared me to study um for some things that are that are potentially coming up later in the year and starting to study now and and uh really find a new balance to make sure I accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. So we're going to move forward here to my next point. Let's see. Okay, back to the book here. Many things fall into place when you begin to consciously understand the world in this manner. It's as if the knowledge of your body and soul falls into alignment with the knowledge of the of your intellect. And there's more. Such knowledge is proscriptive, proscriptive as well as descriptive. This is the kind of knowing what that helps you know how. This is the kind of is from which you can derive an ought. The Taoist juxtaposition of yin and yang, for example, doesn't simply portray chaos and order as the fundamental elements of being. It also tells you how to act, the way, the Taoist path of life, is represented by or exists on the border between the twin serpents. The way, of the, the way is the path of proper being. It's the same way as that referred to by Christ in John 14.6. I am the way and the truth and the life. The same idea is expressed in Matthew 7:14. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. I know for me that definitely is a big one. And I know why I marked it. I marked it because it said, you know, in the the first sentence I read was many things begin to fall into place when you begin to consciously understand the world in this manner. And I I wonder. This is maybe something that I'd like to ask him in the future. You know, if I were if I ever have the opportunity. But if you know, when you begin to consciously understand, does that begin? Does that begin when you begin to consciously act? Like, okay, candy's bad for me. Should I eat it? No, I shouldn't eat it. Am I gonna eat it? Possibly. There's a there's a big chance. Okay, and this is just my example. You can find your own example. I'm pretty sure you have yours. And and even then, with all the times that I've brought up candy and sugar and and some of these health things, um, that that I that I literally fight myself, fight my fight my consciousness every day to do or not do. Um, it 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 has. That's another thing that made me ponder. Like, okay. And I mean, I guess for me, I I would say yes. Um, I I do wonder what he would respond and 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 what he would respond to my question as far as, you know, if you begin to act consciously, does that mean does that coincide with you know consciously understanding the world, um, especially especially when things fall into place? Um, I know I feel like things have fallen into place, 
and it's weird. And I know that I'm creating my own change uh, because of that. And honestly, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. But for now, it's really just the preparation for that change. Moving on. To straddle that fundamental duality is to be balanced. To have one foot firmly planted in order and security and the other in chaos, possibility, growth, and adventure. When life suddenly reveals itself as intense, gripping, and meaningful, when time passes and you're so engrossed in what you're doing, you don't notice. It is there and then that you are located precisely on the border between order and chaos. And that one's pretty, I won't say it's a self-evident, but it goes back to what I first tied into uh, possibility and potential um, when he says, you know, the other's chaos, possibility, growth, and adventure. So chaos isn't always a bad thing. It's like when people say consequences. It's one thing that I've noticed, you know, consequences has a negative reaction most times than not. And, and Dr. Sherman, who was my capstone professor and quality management professor, uh, he was the one to teach me, at least, I mean, not individually, I was, I was in his class, but I, I take it personal because he's the one who taught me how to, how to use consequences of good and bad. You know, there's good consequences and there's bad consequences, which then ties into Chinese proverb, good luck, bad luck, only time will tell, which I've mentioned probably over and over again. And I continue to do it because it, it's, at least it seems to be true, and that's one thing that um, even going, I mean, this year will be the third year that I'll be out of college, and it's still one of those things that's, that's stayed prominent since then. Uh, since taking his quality class and then his capstone and and seeing where that potential could go. Back to the book. Order is not enough. You can't just be stable and secure and unchanging because there's still vital and important new things to be learned. Nonetheless, chaos can be too much. You can't long tolerate being swamped and overwhelmed beyond your capacity to cope while you are learning what you still need to know thus you need to place one foot in what you have mastered and understood and the other in what you are currently exploring and mastering then you have positioned yourself where the terror of existence is under control and you are secure but where you are also alert and engaged that is where there is something new to master in some way that you can be improved that is where meaning is to be found. That part, and just right now, even reading it again, uh, remind me of when I was talking. I was uh, me and Gonzo. We went out last Friday, and and we we got to talking. We went we went to Hillbillies. Went to hang. It was a good, it was a good hang, and then we went to go eat after that. And at some point, point me and him got into conversation as far as the fact that me and him are not done learning things and there's things is i'm leaving that very uh vague on purpose because i know for me it's it's uh it stimulates my brain uh if something captures my attention i just kind of run with it i kind of go and try it or learn it or read about it at least read it maybe read about it and then if i can't use a theory now maybe i'll be hopefully or hopefully i'll be able to use a theory in, in the future and it could go for anything. I mean, uh, the n- next thing that I'm going to learn, this is with Brian, is we're going to help play racquetball. Uh, I had learned it a long time ago, but it's been a, like, I mean, over 15 years that I learned how to play racquetball. And I don't, I don't remember the rules. And I told him because we, you know, we go to the same gym. And it's like, hey, man, why don't we just learn how to play racquetball? And because I, and to balance out my workouts, I need to just do something physically, we'll say, fun. And I'm... I have become aware of that, so it's like okay, I need I need to do that. So it's like, well, let's learn racquetball and let's learn how to, <laughs> let's learn how to play racquetball. But anyways, point is to continue learning, and you know it, the way it says here, you know, there is still vital and important new things to be learned. And when I even when I read that, and I can read that over and over again, and, and write that down. I'm, I I I have probably have it written down by now somewhere, but it's it's not so much like oh. Yeah, there's of course there's a million things you can learn, but it's the it's just the point of learning, and 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 for me, 
it's not honing in on one craft. I, I thought maybe it would be, and it's not. You know, I'm, I'm still I'll, I'm still experimenting. I'm still learning. Like again, learn something new. You know, racquetball is gonna be is my current is my current example, and I I just feel you know tying in you know that is where meaning is to be found. You know, so maybe you can use this these little points to. You know, is there something that you've been curious about? It could be the smallest thing. It could be maybe you don't know how to. I'm, I'm, this is a random example but maybe you don't know how to, you don't know how to bake a cake but you've always wanted to do it or you wanted to make a i don't know a, a specific cake or german chocolate or something i don't know i don't know that much about baking but my point is if it sparked your curiosity to the, to the minimum to the minimalist point um i don't know that's the way to say it anyways you know if it sparked your attention you why not why not go take a jab at it and see see what comes out of that that's the whole point Here's a good one that I wish I could have said to the kids there. Well, I, I call them kids. I mean, they're 16, 17 years old. But, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I do hope that people listening will take this into consideration. Bash me if you want. Appreciate this, qu- appreciate this question if, you, if you'd like as well. It says, question for parents. Do you want to make your child safe or strong? And then just before that, the paragraph before that says, and even if it were possible to permanently banish everything threatening, everything dangerous, and therefore everything challenging and interesting, that would mean only that another danger would emerge, that that of permanent human infantilism and absolute uselessness. How could the nature of man ever reach its full potential without challenge and danger? How dull and contemptible would we become if there was no longer reason to pay attention? Maybe God thought his new creation would be able to handle the serpent and considered its present presence the lesser of two evils. And then that question for parents comes up. And it, I don't know. I, I think we're, I think this is the pinnacle and it's not done. The pinnacle is not done. We're still at the pinnacle right now. It's still happening. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but it uh, definitely should be pondered on. You know, do you, I mean, yes, you want your children safe, but there comes a point where defense is needed and defense can be in the manner of jujitsu. You know, proper training and proper walkthrough of firearms. Um, Self-defense and, you know, there's Krav Maga, there's different, you know, weapons training. Um, and I'm not saying take your child to weapons training. I'm just saying that if they have knowledge and they have uh, a respect, I think respect's the biggest thing for weapons because they don't understand. Even, I've seen even 16-year-olds, they don't understand the capabilities that uh, a weapon, such as a knife or a gun, can have. They don't get it yet, but if if, if you start them young enough, to respect those things then it could be uh, a beneficial thing so at least at the very least maybe they'll just stay away maybe they'll, they'll be like you know what this thing is dangerous it doesn't help it's not gonna help me at the moment i don't need it and then that's it and the other one's like okay hey there's a situation here i'm gonna defend and i'm gonna take care of the people that i care about you know and we can go off obviously we can go into a tangent about that that i don't want to but it's worth considering it's worth taking uh, taking note of This one was good, and this one, it, it to me, it was really deep, and I had to read it a couple of times. Uh, but this is this is moving on in the book. It's a subchapter, the Naked Ape, and this one's very interesting because I I didn't I didn't I didn't even know about this. So generally, a child doesn't realize they're naked until their age of three, and after that is when they become more just more conscious. Not that they're like super conscious they're just more conscious than they were before and so moving on with the concept of of being naked um there there comes then knowing your maybe your indiscrepancies and here in the book jordan writes what does it mean to know yourself naked or potentially worse to know yourself and your partner naked all the all manner of terrible things expressed in the rather horrifying manner, for example, of the Renaissance painter Hans Baldung Green, whose painting inspired the illustration that begins this chapter. Naked means vulnerable and easily damaged. Naked means subject to judgment for beauty, 
and health. Naked means unprotected and unharmed in the jungle of nature and man. This is why Adam and Eve became ashamed immediately after their eyes were opened. They could see, and what they saw, what they first saw was themselves. Their faults stood out. Their vulnerability was on display. Unlike other mammals whose delicate abdomens are protected by the armor-like expanse of their backs, they were upright creatures with the most vulnerable parts of their body presented to the world. And worse was to come. Adam, Adam and Eve made themselves loincloths right away to cover up their fragile bodies and to protect their egos. Then they promptly skittered off and hid. In their vulnerability, now fully realized, they felt unworthy to stand before God. Now, there's a very, I think there's a very physical aspect and obviously a, a mental aspect to this. And I think going back to the where he says their faults stood out, their vulnerability was on display. You know, that there's a lot of mental aspect there, especially with their faults. They they now knew right from wrong, good for bad. And I think in today's world, you know, mostly because what I hear is, is uh, you know, people, they, people, I generally, I do have to say that people want to get better and they want to get healthier. They just struggle because it's a mental, it's a mental struggle. But if, and this is what's kind of worked for me, and I only say kind of because I haven't been consistent with it, but I do try to stay consistent with the gym, is actually looking at yourself in the mirror and take a picture. Like, actually do that. You don't have to save it. You can erase it immediately after you take it. But take it and look at your phone. And and even though, obviously, even if it's just from the waist up, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, go all, go all crazy. But the point is when you, when you, look, when you truly look at yourself in the mirror, and you take a picture, and you look at your phone, it's like, oh, you know, there's some work to be done here, and I know it's definitely been a, a mild motivator, the, there, I've, I've had, I feel like I have bigger motivators to get me to the gym and want to be better, um, especially in the in the thoughts of, okay, I need to be ready for this situation, and working in a school, it's like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen today, obviously, there's a lot of insane things going on in the world, so I just want to be ready anyways, but I have felt that, like I said, mildly uh, helpful is to actually take a picture and be like, okay, yeah. And even in the four, I believe it's a four-hour body by Tim Ferriss. He says that's where you should start. You know, taking pictures of yourself, holding yourself accountable. Like, hey, this is the way you look. You know, do you want to fix that? And and it and it helps the psychological part of like, okay, I don't want to look like this. Let's get to the gym. Let's get. And you, don't, you don't even have to get to a gym. I've I've already expressed that a lot, and I'll keep doing it. I don't I don't mind expressing it over and over again because it's like just move. Uh, I, I'm learning, and this is something I had I, I talked with my dad on Saturday last Saturday, was you, if you keep moving. We have a neighbor that he's always working on his yard every weekend, all all day long. He's working on his yard, and he's like he's probably like 75, maybe almost 80 by now. And my dad's like he's like man he's like I guess I have to I guess I have to move. I guess I have to work all day to, to live that long. And it's like, that's the point. So my point is that you don't need a gym. My dad doesn't have a gym membership, but he works out, every, I mean, four. we'll say four times consistently a week, which is great. You know, he, he we walk, we run, we do some, uh, the stands, the the bleachers, mostly him. Like I, I, I have my own, so that luckily there's a pull-up bar where we go. And if you have me on if you have me on Snapchat, then you'd you'd see it. You'd see where I go. I don't want to say it out here. I don't want to say it out loud. But uh, the point is, going back to you know being naked and becoming ashamed. Um, you know, seeing what faults stand out. It's like, well, maybe 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 if you know your your actual maybe if you know faults that you have as a as a person, maybe you can start with the physical aspect and then work in. And or vice versa. It, to me, it's just the matter of moving. It's the matter of um, not running away from those things, so that you do become better. Okay, so moving on here. Perhaps heaven. Back to the book. Perhaps heaven is something you must build, and immortality is something you must earn. And so we return to the original query. 
why would someone buy prescription medication for his dog and then so carefully administer it when he would not do the same for himself? Now you have the, the answer. Derived from one of the fo foundational texts of mankind. Why should anyone take care of anything as naked, ugly, ashamed, frightened, worthless, cowardly, resentful, defensive, and accusatory as a descendant of Adam? Even if that thing, that being, is himself, and I do not mean at all to exclude women with this phrasing. All the reasons we have discussed so far for taking a dim view of humanity are applicable to others as much as to the self. They're generalizations about human nature, nothing more specific. But you know so much more about yourself. You're bad enough as other people know you. But only you know the full range of your secret transgressions, insufficiencies, and inadequacies. No one is more familiar than with you, than you with all the ways your mind and body are flawed. No one has more reason to hold you in contempt, to see you as pathetic. And by withholding something that might do you good, you can punish yourself for all your failings. A dog, a harmless, innocent, un self-conscious dog is clearly more deserving but if you are not yet convinced let us consider another vital issue order chaos life death sin vision work and suffering that is not enough for the authors of genesis nor for humanity itself the story continues in all its catastrophe and tragedy and the people involved that's us must contend with yet another painful awakening awakening we are next fated to contemplate mortality itself. And again, uh, that's a deep part where it kind of just re reiterated everything that I as well said as far as human nature. And, you know, you know your insufficiencies better than anybody else. And if you don't, if you think you have none, which he then he that's where he talks about the narcissism and and heavy egotism, heavy egotism. Or egoism, egoism, egotism. Either way, one of those. It's 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 what makes it relevant, and I I feel. And this is I mean again I wouldn't say this or bring this to the podcast if I wouldn't be doing it for myself as well and trying, you know, daily. You know, a lot of people put oh it's uh it's daily uh, besides the daily grind. What was the one I saw recently? Where it's a daily struggle to not eat donuts or to not have snacks, and it's like, yeah, exactly. And and is it a bad thing? I I don't think so. But if you're conscious that it's a daily struggle, then go about it. And are you gonna fight? Or are you gonna fly? You know, are you, are you gonna stay there? You're gonna or are you gonna keep going? And frankly, that's that's where choice comes in. That's and then that's finally that's where conscious comes in. So the way my the way my cousin Luis says think Andy think well i feel i feel we all we all need to think here are some questions that i feel are worth pondering um and i'm just going to read the questions there's there's some context before and after it but really i could i could read the whole chapter so here are the questions after drawing conclusions such as that how could we not question the value of our being and even of being itself who then could be faced with illness in himself or another without doubting the moral utility of prescribing a healing medicament? And no one understands the darkness of, indiv of the individual better than the individual himself. Who then, when ill, is going to be fully committed to his own care? Perhaps man is something that should never have been. Perhaps the world should even be cleansed of all human presence so that being and consciousness could return to the innocent brutality of the animal. I believe that the person who claims never to have wished for such a thing has never consulted his memory nor confronted his darkest fantasies. What then is to be done? The original man and woman existing in unbroken unity with their creator did not appear conscious, and certainly not self-conscious. Their eyes were not open, but in their perfection they were also less, not more, than their post-fall counterparts. Their goodness was something bestowed rather than deserved or earned. They exercised no choice. God knows that's easier. But maybe it's not better than, for example, goodness genuinely earned. 
maybe even in some comic sense, cosmic sense, assuming that consciousness itself is a phenomenon of cosmic significance. Free choice matters. Who can speak with certainty about such things? I am unwilling to take off take these questions off the table, however, merely because they are difficult. So here's a Yeah. So here's a proposition. Perhaps it is not simply the emergence of self-consciousness and the rise of our moral knowledge of death and the fall that besets us, but makes us doubt our own worth. Perhaps it is instead our unwillingness, reflected in Adam's shamed hiding, to walk with God despite our fragility and propensity for evil. And the main thing I took away from that piece, and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a longer, there's a little poem that I'm going to read at the end of this recording. But, you know, when he says they exercise no choice, and then, again, maybe even in some cosmic sense, free choice matters. And for the most part, I, had, I, I mean, at least for me, it's at, it's at least making a choice. There are some things that I, I, I don't know how some people can sit on a couch waiting for an answer. I, I, I think there's a difference there. And I, I don't even know how to further explain that because, again, you know, even he says, you know, merely because they're, you know, some of these questions, some of these things that he's bringing up, they're, they're difficult to, to just decipher and then create some type of a definition uh, create some type of answer that makes sense um, but still the the premise of free choice and choosing okay I'm miserable here there's too much chaos or the chaos here I'm not willing to work through well then you have a choice to scoot go leave See, tell your boss see, or tell your what could be your ex boss. See ya. And I'm not. I'm not. And again, I've talked about this with Brian. I've talked about it multiple times. Where it's like, okay, well, don't have, don't, don't not have a plan. You know, I think, I, I think even, even with Eddie. But regardless, I've, I've talked about it on here before, where it's like, yes, have a plan. We're not saying go out just crazy. But, you know, you have a choice. I have a choice. We have a choice. You're listening to this, and I'm thankful for it. We have a choice to go out. And you can buy the book. You can, and again, I don't. I don't get. I mean, these books that I have done, like little book reviews, or I drop, or I talk about, or even the Dave Rubin that Rubin Report, which I have the link on the show notes. I don't make anything. I don't. I. I it's not like I'm uh, asking them for something. I'm not. It's just stuff that I. It's made. It stirs my. It stirs me. It makes me think. And it's like, yes, this makes sense. Why not talk about some of these things? But anyways, or moving on really is yes, free free choice, in my maybe naive opinion is uh, that free choice doesn't matter. You have to make a choice. People that are that go out and protest, I, is it South Carolina or Virginia or wherever those teachers are protesting? Hey, they're making a choice. Um, what what the administration does from their from their seats, that's up to them. But we're all making choices. That's the important part. Back to the book. If we wish to take care of ourselves properly, we would have to respect ourselves. But we don't, because we are, not least in our own eyes, fallen creatures. If we lived in truth, if we spoke the truth, then we could walk with God once again and respect ourselves and others and the world. Then we might treat ourselves like people we cared for. We might strive to set the world straight. We might orient it toward heaven where we would want people we cared for to dwell instead of hell where our resentment and hatred would eternally sentence everyone. But now also another problem has arisen which was perhaps less common in our harsher past. It is easy to believe that people are arrogant and egotistical and always looking out for themselves. The cynicism that makes their that opinion a universal truism is widespread and fashionable. But such an orientation to the world is not in, at all 
characteristic of many people. They have the opposite problem. They shoulder intolerable burdens of self-disgust, self-contempt, shame, and self-consciousness. Thus, instead of narcissistically inflating their own importance, they don't value themselves at all, and they don't care of themselves with attention and skill. It seems that people often don't really believe that they deserve the best care, personally speaking. They are excruciatingly aware of their own faults and inadequacies, real and exaggerated, and ashamed and doubtful of their own value. They believe that, that other people shouldn't suffer, and they will work diligently and altruistically to help them alleviate it. They extend the same courtesy even to the animals they are acquainted with, but not so easily to themselves. That one, I, I even put a star next to it. And I, I remember doing that. Especially when he brings up, you know, arrogance and e egotism, egotistical. Where that in itself is a is a burden because then you, you get trapped in your mind. You get trapped in yourself and it's real easy to to lose sight of, of not real, not the way, lose sight of reality, but reality being act like reality is being and actually acting out a, a purpose or a choice where you lose they lose sight of that or maybe maybe that's maybe that's what he's trying to say here is they you, you lose sight of 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 being the fact that you're a human being not a human uh anything else so then we move on back to the book in my clinical practice, I encourage people to credit themselves and those around them for acting productively and with care, as well as the genuine concern and thoughtfulness they manifest toward others. People are so tortured by the limitations and constraint of being that I am amazed they ever act properly or look beyond themselves at all. But enough to enough do so that we have central heat and running water and infinite com computational power and electricity and enough for everyone to eat and even the capacity to contemplate the fate of broader society and nature, terrible nature itself. All that complex machinery that protects us from freezing and starving and dying from lack of water tends unceasingly toward malfunction through entropy, and it is only the constant attention of careful people that keeps it working so unbelievably well. Some people degenerate into hell of resentment and the hatred of being but most refuse to do so, despite their suffering and disappointments and losses and inadequacies and ugliness. And again, it is a miracle for those with eyes to see it. Humanity in Toto and those who compose it as identifiable people deserve some sympathy for the appalling burden under which the human individual genuinely staggers. Some sympathy for subjugation to mortal vulnerability, tyranny of the state, and the deep depredations of nature. It is an ex existential situation that no mere animal encounters or endures, and one of severity such that it would take a god to fully bear it. It is this sympathy that we should that should be the proper medicament for self-conscious self-contempt, which has its justification but is only half the full and proper story. Hatred for self and mankind must be balanced with gratefulness of traditional tradition and the state and astonishment at what normal everyday people accomplish. To say nothing of the staggering achievements is truly remarkable. And we're we're about to wrap up the chapter here. I'm gonna, uh, but that that whole little piece that I said is 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 starting from the beginning where he says talk about we credit yourself. And for me, that's one thing that I talked about is for me. Uh, I, th I feel like it was more towards the beginning of the podcast. And I feel like I don't, I won't, or I won't credit myself out loud, but I'll, I'll allow myself something extra. And for me, something extra can be as simple as, okay, I'm going to sleep in tomorrow if I do X today. Because we're normally, okay, no, I got stuff to do, blah, blah, blah. And I go do that. And it's okay, what's next? Do the next thing. Do the next thing. And then you get caught in that. I, I, okay, I get caught in that cycle 
and I used to get caught on the cycle. Now it's like, hey, I can take I can take a nap right now, or I can go to sleep, or I don't have to work. I don't. I can turn off my alarms for the next twelve hours, next twenty four hours. It's like okay, that that's the credit I give myself. I'm not looking uh, for any. And even uh, someone asked me about the podcast, and I said, eh, you know, it, I hope like realizing that if if I'm doing this to scratch my own itch and I know how I am with social media, then I don't, I don't expect much, much interaction, but more just taking action in people, you know, in your own life in my own life and so on. And, and it's like, like to me, it ties back to the way I'd like to give credit to myself uh, in the things I accomplished. It's like, okay, cool. I did this thing really well, or this person, uh, said, oh, thank you, Andy, you did this, uh, awesome, thank you, and then to credit myself, because it's just healthy, and, and of course, there's a balance, that's what we talk about, equitism, that's what we talk about, arrogance, but credit myself, cool, I'm gonna go take a nap, and no one's gonna bother me for the next eight hours, or whatever, and then also not feeling bad about, <laughs> I would say, doing fun things, and it's and it's even that in itself has been pretty cool because you know the people that I that I hang out with as of late, um, it's been cool to let loose again for a little while. Maintaining what I what I've tried to build and working and still working on building that, but not taking extra time off, but just using the time that I allot myself to then have some fun and and enjoy the time not that i don't enjoy what i'm doing there's a di- but there's a difference you know um definitely not striving to be a workaholic and i don't think i ever have been just uh just uh i guess just set in a direction that can allow me to do the things that i want to do cool we're in the last bit here and uh, i'm probably going to end up reading all of it it's going to be a good stretch and actually we're going to hear i was i was going to read a little extra little like poem deal by t.s Eliot, but i think i'll save it for next time uh we're already i'm already gonna hit the hour and i've only been i've it's been i've been talking about by myself which is kind of weird uh but yeah I'll, i'll end it here remember you can contact me on twitter i have been pretty active on twitter at andy underscore 1844 the same thing for my personal Instagram. Uh, if you're curious about some of the themes that I've come up with, or or yeah, that I've come up with through conversation, uh, movingwithlive.co, you can find some some good ideas there. And I'll leave you guys with this: Treat yourself as if you were someone you are responsible for helping is instead to consider what would be truly truly good for you. This is not what you want. It is also not what would make you happy. Every time you give a child something sweet, you make that child happy. That does not mean that you should do nothing for children except feed them candy. Happy, quote-unquote, is by no means synonymous with good. You must get children to brush your teeth. They must put on their snowsuits when they go outside in the cold, even though they might object strenuously. You must help a child become a virtuous, responsible, awake being, capable of full reciprocity, able to take care of himself and others, and to thrive while doing so. Why would you think it acceptable to do anything less for yourself? You need to consider the future and think, what might my life look like if I were caring for myself properly? What career would challenge me and render me productive and helpful so that I could shoulder my share of the load and enjoy the consequences? What should I be doing when I have some freedom to improve my health, expand my knowledge, and strengthen my body? You need to know where you are so you can start to chart your course. You need to know who you are so that you can Understand your armament and bolster yourself in respect to your limitations. You need to know where you are going so that you can limit the extent of chaos in your life. Restructure order and bring the divine force of hope 
to bear on the world. You must determine where you are going so that you can bargain for yourself, so that you don't end up resentful, vengeful, and cruel. You have to articulate your own principles so that you can defend yourself against others taking inappropriate advantage of you, and so that you are secure and safe while you work at, and play. You must discipline yourself carefully. You must keep the promises you make to yourself and reward yourself so that you can trust and motivate yourself. You need to determine how to act toward yourself so that you are most likely to become and stay a good person. It would be good to make the world a better place. Heaven, after all, will not arrive of its own accord. We will have to work to bring it about and strengthen ourselves so that we can withstand the deadly angels and flaming sword of the judgment that God used to bar its entrance. Don't under underestimate the power of vision and direction. These are ir irresistible forces, able to transform what might appear to be un unconquerable obstacles into trans traversable pathways and expanding opportunities. Strengthen the individual. Start with yourself. Take care of yourself. Define who you are. Refine your personality. Choose your destination and articulate your being. As the great 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche just said, uh, so, brilliantly, so brilliantly noted, he whose life has a why can bear almost anyhow. You could help direct the world on its own, on its careening trajectory, a bit more toward heaven and a bit more away from hell. Once having understood hell, researched it, so to speak, particularly your own individual hell, you could decide against going there or creating that. You could aim elsewhere. You could, in fact, devote your life to this. That would give you a meaning with a capital M. That would justify your miserable existence. That would atone your sin for your sinful nature and replace your shame with self-consciousness and self-consciousness with the nature, natural pride and forthright confidence of someone who has learned once again to walk with God in the garden. You could begin to by treating yourself as if you were someone you were responsible for helping.